Welcome back to another episode of Millennial Entrepreneur. My name's Sina and I am so excited to share this episode with you guys. Finally, in this episode, I spoke with Eliza Batten, former Made in Chelsea star and co-founder of The Circle, a circular fashion platform for women's clothing. We covered Eliza's background as a Made in Chelsea star, how she got involved, her craziest experiences and the motivation behind why she decided to go on the show. And also following her exit from the show, why she decided to go into business and more specifically within circular fashion. And very lastly, the opportunities and challenges Eliza has faced through growing her business, given her background from Made in Chelsea. And we discovered the whole thing around imposter syndrome and also if people take her seriously, given her background um, of a Made in Chelsea star. I loved having Eliza on the podcast and you know I love having guests like her on the podcast because it just shows the different routes that you can gain within entrepreneurship and within business and it's it's a very different background to I guess the traditional ones that I've got on the podcast before and yeah it just it does break the mold slightly and I, I do love that sort of thing. If you are actually new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, my name's Sina. We talk about young entrepreneurship every week. And uh, yeah, we've got some really cool guests coming up and also guests from before. So if you are new to the podcast, do check it out. Uh, we've got some amazing guests like Forbes 30 you know, 30 Entrepreneurs, the youngest ever person that got investment in Dragon's Den and some TEDx speakers, some really impressive young people that are doing some absolutely incredible things. Um, including Eliza, who you're, going to, who you're going to listen to today. It was an amazing conversation. I absolutely loved it. And if you do enjoy this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, share it with your friends. It does help the podcast grow so much. And for everyone that's done that already, I can't thank you guys enough. Thank you so much. It's been an amazing route, amazing support so far. So without further ado, let's get on with the episode. Hey, Eliza, how are you? Hi, very well. How are you? I'm very good. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. It's been it's been a while since we've like tried to organize it and it's I'm I'm like really really happy to have you on. It's it's <laughs> it's such a different sort of guest as well. Like we've we've had people that have been on TV before. We've had people that have done like really sustainable businesses. And if anyone like obviously is listening, I love sustainable businesses. Like <laughs> they definitely have a special place in my heart. If you do a sustainable <laughs> business, I will invite you on the podcast. I know. I, I feel like I skipped the queue. Nah, there's not much the queue. No, I'm joking. <laughs> there is quite a big queue. But like, I do get loads of people that try to come on, but a lot of them aren't that genuine. It's not. Very, it's all like. T- it's not very targeted either. It's just like these. You know, on like LinkedIn, you get loads of like just spam like messages that, that aren't targeted whatsoever. Mm. So it's the same like that for podcasting, but for well, like random people. So. Thank you for having yeah. me on. No, you're very welcome. I think I don't really know a start with this one, but I think the best place to start is, I guess, a very quick introduction about the circle, and then we can kind of like circle back to hey. <laughs> that wasn't even intentional to, uh, <laughs> to like I guess a bit before you started circle. Sure. Circle. I mean, yeah, we were doing elevator pitches the other day, weren't we, in our pitch accelerator event? But um, the circle is a resale platform for quality women's wear. Uh, we're our aim is to make secondhand really easy um, and just elevate the experience. Shopping secondhand is not without its challenges. And we are trying to make selling your clothes easy. And we're trying to make shopping with us a really elevated experience that feels like you're shopping new, essentially. And then our main USP is the circle back feature, which I suppose I can go into more later on or now. I don't mind. Uh, you, <laughs> you can dictate the chronological order of this podcast. Eliza, how, how is the circle, how does it work and also how is it different? So how it works is that we either collect the clothes from you or we organize postage for you. Uh, so you send in your clothes to us. We will then photograph them professionally using a model. Uh, 
and then do all the selling, listing, posting, packaging for you. Uh, so we're just trying to make selling so hassle-free that there's essentially no excuse not to be doing it. Um, and clothes should not be left unworn at the back of your wardrobe. Otherwise, they're just an underutilized resource um, and it encourages more people to just shop new. And then the having using professional models means that when you're shopping from us, it feels like you're shopping new. And that's an experience we really want to just improve. So you can get your fashion fix from us without having to just feel like you're scrolling down crumpled flat laid items. It feels really fresh and crisp and clean. Uh, and then I suppose our USP as to why we're different is we have a circle back feature. So if you buy from us and within six months, no longer want it, you can actually circle it back to us and we'll give you up to 70% back in credit to then shop again. So this sort of turns short-term rental on its head because you can get the buzz of ownership, but the flexibility of returns. And it also allows you to refresh your wardrobe guilt-free whilst also allowing someone else to buy the item that you no longer want. It just is trying to create an even more circular economy of clothes. Sounds quite difficult to scale from the model perspective, though, because you have to like pay each model every time. So actually, um, at the moment, we're using... At the moment, yeah, it's friends and me and my lovely intern, Hebe. Um, and I've got a lot of friends who are very keen and willing. And actually, it's something that cash in hand, a lot of people are very chill to do. We're not sort of shipping in um, professional models on a thousand pound day rate. <laughs> um, but can I say cash in hand? Cash in hand's okay. fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it's actually much quicker than using an invisible mannequin um, and or what are those CGI models called? NFTs. Oh God, this is a conversation. Okay. They can they can be NFTs. But using but, them, I mean, we did look into not. them. Um, those sort of robot models that are CGI. Yeah, but uh, yeah. again, you have to sort of use an invisible mannequin and to edit on an invisible mannequin and make it look really crisp and fresh, it's very laborious and takes quite a long time. Whereas getting someone to just quickly whack on the clothes, take a few pictures, onto the next item, onto the next item, you can bash through loads. I think, I think like, yeah, I mean, we can go into a bit later, but I'd love to, I guess, talk about, before we jump into the background, why, why you started the circle. It actually came about really organically. I've been into secondhand shopping and selling for a long time and I firsthand experienced where I believe the gaps are um and so rather than waiting for someone else to sort them for you why not do it yourself mm. thing is as well you're coming at this from a, like a very unique angle and I think we probably do need to address this <laughs> Go on. it's just like yeah made in Chelsea right yeah <laughs> you must get asked so many questions about made in Chelsea like we've I've had people from the apprentice on as well like they get asked so many questions about the apprentice like yeah you actually have to wake up at 5 a.m and stuff like that I guess like you must get asked loads of questions about it all the time yeah I think what is funny is for me, in many ways, it feels like a lifetime ago. I think I was on it, last on it, two years ago. I went on it initially four years ago. Yeah. I came off just before the first lockdown. That's when I sort of did my last bit of filming. Um, and so it does make me laugh how timeless it is as a show because people are still firstly watching it because it's still going, but also so interested in how it works. Um, and yeah, I mean, it gave me 
a lot of opportunities. I definitely wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now without it. Um, so yeah, I can't, I owe a lot to it in many ways, but I'd like to think that I've made everything since everything that's happened since I like think that I've, I've directed that as well. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a very like relevant topic that we probably jump into a little bit later, but actually let's jump into now but it's just like when people go on to these tv shows or they have like a following from somewhere else like mm. molly may talked about it on stephen barlett's podcast which is a very interesting listen i mean say what you want about her whatever but like she it's a it's a platform at the end of the day and it's like it's what you do with that platform to take you to that next level so mm -hmm. it it does still require like a massive amount of hard work and i know how much hard work you're doing for growing the circle like i've seen and i've heard like what you're doing but it, i guess it's like people don't think that all the time. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that was something that I was actually quite reluctant about in going on Main Chelsea in the first place was how seriously I'd be taken afterwards. But I came to the decision that I was in second year of university when I went on it and I wasn't really going to lose anything. For me, it was extra pocket money. It was exposure. It was a new experience. I was young. I was 20. Um, I really had nothing to lose and everything to gain. Um, saying that, if I'd gone on it and been an absolute tit, then I might have <laughs> lost. Uh, that might have had some repercussions. But actually, I played it fairly safe. And so I don't think I did anything looking back that I regret, which is quite a good position to be in. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. So I guess, like, how did you get involved with it in the first place? You said it was at uni, but, like, how did you get involved? Uh, they, one of the producers sent me a message on Facebook, Facebook. and that yeah, is, which actually, I, well, I know, and they must just hunt people down, but I, a lot of my friends also got those messages. Um, and what is funny is to look back, everyone would go, Oh, lol, just received a message from main Chelsea. And I was like, Oops, well, I've actually gone and replied. <laughs> um, and then it was just the process of calls and meetings and, a sort of a casting, but it didn't really feel like a casting. They just got to know you and saw if you would slot in. Um, and I had mutual friends on it. And yeah, it wasn't the wildest thing for me to go on it. It made relative sense. So you said like you had nothing to lose going on to it, but I guess mm. what was the actual motivation behind going on it? I suppose it was, I, I know I can't use that as another answer, but it was that there was everything to gain. I, I felt like I would always look back and, and think, what if, if I hadn't have gone on it and it had just been an opportunity that passed me by. Um, I've always been in, I've always been a bit of a, I suppose, an actress at school and I loved being on the stage and stuff. So I just thought it'd be really cool to experience being what it what it's like when you, when you say everything to gain though like what does that specifically mean because for different people it means different things right like some people would hate this some people would really like it in terms of personal branding in terms of that platform that it builds in terms of I think I just thought what's the worst that can happen I go on for a hot minute I don't enjoy it I come off and no one will actually remember um so I think it was more of that and I suppose things yeah what could I've gained sort of what I've gained now I'd like to think but I, I I could have got more out of it in a direct way. A sort of more tangible measurement would be followers on Instagram. I could have gone on money, and like yeah, and I could have gone on and been way more outrageous, created way more storylines, maybe, and 
uh, I would have potentially seen a, a more direct impact on an increase in followers. Yeah, which which is an increase in, I suppose, advertising money, etc. I yeah, I wasn't I, I actually wasn't thinking about that at the time. I also didn't know that that was a repercussion at the time either. I just wanted to fun it like I just wanted to experience it. I was at uni and it was just a feather in my cap that other people didn't not everyone else around me had. And I suppose, as you know, to go on it, you have to be a relative, like you have to have a bit of narcissism in you, a bit of vanity. Um, there's definitely no denying that. And I love that honesty. <laughs> well, you have to, like, yeah, you, to mean, think yeah. that you're worthy, that you're ent- going to be entertaining enough for other people to follow your lives. You have to be a bit deluded and have a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of an ego. And I definitely have that element of, yeah. I mean, look at the the job on Instagram. Like, you have to have a bit of narcissism, really. Otherwise, you wouldn't survive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very true. But it, sounds, it does sound like an innocent sort of like motivation behind actually going on the show. Because I know so many people that literally go on those sort of shows just to build that following, to monetize, to make that money, or it's like just be famous. Yeah, I, I was or, not aware. It sounds of, very innocent. Yeah, I, I was not aware of those. I'm not saying those other things are bad, by the way. Like, just personal motivation. No, and but. it would be a quick fix. And I think also it was quite a quick turnaround. So I didn't really have time to sit down and think. I, um, I, I sought advice from my parents and my friends and everyone said, said go for it. My mum played devil's advocate for a bit. But then actually when I said, what do you really think? She said, oh, you've got, you've got nothing to lose. That was, that was the, the motto of my decision, really. Um, and I, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I met a lot of people. I got to experience really cool things, travel the world. Uh, and I suppose experiencing how television works is really interesting. Um, and it got me onto the masters that I did after uni as in no doubt about it. I had no sort of, I went for context. I did a TV journalism masters at city, which is quite a tough course to get onto. And all my comrades had, heaps of experience in journalism whether that's work experience at sky news or heading journalism society at whatever university they were and i had none of that because i had no idea i wanted to even consider journalism (laughs) other than went to main chelsea and had had real life experience of live radio of interviews of going on podcasts like i had real media experience and that was the only thing that i had that got me on the course so it was a really, really big stepping stone for me. In that, in that whole like flurry of, it was two years you mentioned, right? So in that yeah. whole sort of like flurry of you being on Made in Chelsea and like mm-hmm. being on TV, as you just mentioned, I guess like what was the craziest experience that you went through, either on screen or off screen? That is a good question. I think my experience differs to others who are on it because I was doing it from uni, so I was traveling down from Durham twice a week which is a bit crazy two three times that's a week a and it's way. a long train yeah, yeah. Long <laughs> um but it meant that I always stepped out of it so I never got swept up in it quite as much as I definitely could have done if I lived in SW3 um so I think that on the one hand it kept me really grounded but on the other hand as well Durham is a tiny bubble so it quite quickly it's, the news quite quickly spread and I did feel that often eyes were on me. So I'd say that was what I felt was craziest was how one minute nobody really knew who I was. And then the next minute, everyone in Durham, which is such a small town. I mean, it's literally two miles radius. And so I couldn't walk anywhere without someone or feeling like someone recognized me. But then I'm sure that perpetuated itself in paranoia. I, I, I'm sure I assumed people 
recognize me whereas I could have just had like a bogey on my face or you know and they're going like <laughs> but I'd always go oh my god they know they know who I am and did, did that come with any like I guess paranoid anxiety I guess like because you were on tv um that's something that, that doesn't really get mentioned I guess on the other podcasts or like other things that you get put on right uh, you just gr- you grow a thick skin quite quickly you have to really um and I definitely made the mistakes of doing this sort of toxic Twitter scrolls when episodes were aired and nobody on Twitter has anything nice to say and so I sort of had to learn that it really doesn't matter and just to not take anything to heart really yeah I mean I know I'm not going to mention his name um but he was on Dragon's Den and he's he's Indian originally and he he got investment from like I'm going to say how, like which dragons, but he got investment from a couple of the dragons and like, basically he had an amazing product. He got investment, like from two, from two dragons, he got an amazing package, went on Twitter. Instead of people congratulating him, it was just like filled with negative stuff. Yeah. Filled with racism. It was just awful. Awful. And no, Twitter is so toxic. It did. It did really like mess him up. It it fucked Mm -hmm. up his mental state for sure. So he just deleted social media just because of that. And he was quite young at the time as well. So no, it's such a shame. Yeah. That's why um, I asked the question because like you were 20 years old. Yeah, but I think I was surrounded with good friends and I'd like to think I've got a good head screwed on my shoulders. I don't know. I just would could rise above it, essentially. But I also understand that not everyone can do that. And you've actually, that's something, if anyone else was considering going on the show or going on reality TV or just putting yourself out there, like sticking above the parapet, I would just say, be aware that, you you not everyone's going to like you and you've got to be willing to take that and 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 ride above it did you always want to get into business no I want I went on the masters wanting to go into documentary making um business was never really on my periphery actually but throughout my masters I think my masters might have been a bit of a wake-up call because I think I went in a bit naive thinking that I would be really good at it. And actually, when I was on my master's, I realized how unbelievably talented so many people are. I realized that they had more sort of drive and love for what we were studying than I did, maybe. And so I didn't, when I graduated my master's, I didn't straight away pursue documentary making or journalism. It was so amazing to hear Eliza's backstory of why she got involved in Made in Chelsea, her experience, and also, I guess, like what she got out of it. Now then she did her masters, she saw people around her had greater passions for that area that she wants to go into. And I think that kind of changed her focus. And I wanted to ask her how difficult it was as a position to be in, you know, contemplating the next step in her journey. And so we talked about that now. I was in a really privileged position that uh, social media was my main source of income and actually still is. Um, and so it bought me time, which is yeah such such a privilege because not everyone has that that flexibility what uh, no so I this is what's actually quite strange so I'd set myself a year I said I'm going to leave my master's give myself a year see what I can make of it see if I enjoy it see if it goes anywhere um and I think quite quickly I realized it wasn't that fulfilling as my full-time gig uh and I found it quite lonely um I think unless you're in one of those Instagram couples whereby you've either got a boyfriend who is, who is your business partner slash photographer, or you're one of those 
travel couples that just look sexy on a beach all the time. It's just really lonely. Um, so yeah, I think I actually sat down after, I think it was about five months. I graduated my master's in July. Five months later, I thought this isn't doing social media full time isn't fulfilling. And I updated my CV and made it all lush and plush and was ready to fire it at fashion journalism outlets. Actually, that was what I'd realized I wanted to go into. Um, and I got an email from a guy called Austin saying that he was wanting to set up a resale platform and he had seen via my Instagram how much I was into secondhand clothing and um, how big a part of my life it was and he was wondering if I wanted to chat. So that's sort of how the circle came about. Yeah and what's so crazy is I updated my CV in the morning I sat down for lunch with my housemate and I said, right, CV's done. This afternoon, I've got a list of places to fire. And I was sat down at lunch, eating my wrap, and up came this email. And I just went to my housemate. I went, bloody hell, this is too good to be true. Someone wants to talk about creating a, their, you know, our own resale platform. Um, and I felt actually a bit silly <laughs> that I hadn't had to go through the hassle of applying to 100 places to get turned down <laughs> 99 times. I was like, this is so, I feel a bit spoon fed here. This is too good to be true. The way I always look at these things is that opportunities come from other things that you've done, right? Mm. So it's like- And I suppose I skipped a bit in, in the five months being a full-time influencer. I, every single Saturday, I went to a secondhand boutique and tried on loads of clothes and promoted it and tried to open the eyes of whoever was watching. Um, to the sort of breadth of secondhand shopping and the bargains and the brands and the quality. Um, and so actually, yeah, it was a, it was a, in hindsight, a really good investment of my time because at the, at the time it was free and I often questioned whether it was, I was, it was worth doing because obviously it's every weekend for an entire day not getting paid but just doing it because you love it i mean like for for that right you're what you're essentially doing is building up your personal brand there of someone that cares genuinely about secondhand clothing the circular economy and that sort of thing other people in other i guess like people listening it's like yeah but i don't want to be on social media i don't want to do that but there's other mm. ways that you can put in work behind the scenes absolutely like, for me for instance for wing it's like I'm not being on social media for my personal page. The Instagram, the podcast Instagram page is like not that big, but it's like maybe two, 2K followers. But the thing is for Wing, right? We've done things in the past that haven't been huge in terms of like value immediately, but it's got us in different places just by chance that eventually have led to a really cool opportunity for us. Like for mm -hmm. instance, we applied to this really like, really competitive uh application like this competition that we applied to and we knew we weren't going to get it but one of the judges was one of these really big people at a corporate i'm not gonna say which one he was really interested in the card he actually bought one himself ah. and then eventually like we sold to that company wow. so we didn't win the competition but we mm -hmm. ended up just being on the desk of an individual that is a decision maker so it's these things kind of behind the scenes that if you do them on a consistent basis it can Definitely. really help you and like what you were doing there that's what it was doing yeah and I think hindsight's a funny thing I, I didn't see it like that at the time um and that would have you actually never been, do you never no. do you never do and, and if I'd had that advice earlier I may have invested more time into doing it or or spruced it up a bit and actually we recently reached out um we opened applications for an intern and the applications were 
I was so overwhelmed by them because they were so everyone was so qualified and also so many people had put in the work to create portfolios or Instagram accounts on the side and all these things that they were interested in and it was you know free time for them but actually it gives you such an edge and it really shows that you're interested and invested in it and I think it's really cool so yeah I that's something I would take on in future if I ever end up doing something else it's like do the things that you enjoy when you when you can invest that time into it so Austin messaged you what, what was yeah. next then we got talking and it's it seemed that our ideas and ethos really aligned um he already had a couple of team members I mean long story short from Austin's side over lockdown he had created a secondhand resale platform for kids clothes and actually it very quickly became the biggest one in the UK but with kids clothes it's really hard with the margins and it's really hard with the economics um so he was looking into how women's wear worked and that's when he saw me um having been reposted by a secondhand boutique or something um and so he was seeking my advice on how sort of secondhand women's wear works and that's something that not only have I been shopping in, but I've had my own Depop account for four or five years. Um, so I'd like to think I've got a wee bit of knowledge on it. I'm learning a lot as I go now. But um, yeah, that's we got talking and I met the other members of the team and we all just really clicked and aligned and it was sort of a goer. And we've started building it. Amazing. From, so what's, from what's, your role, what's your role in the company now? Are you like, what, what are you coming as? So we don't have, it's so funny. So I'm a co-founder. Um, we're yet to delegate specific, yeah, because it's yeah. so blurred and, and our roles, our roles are so interchangeable and fluid. It's more about, and sk- it's more about strengths and skills rather than actual titles. And we had totally. that at the beginning of, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but I would say that I'm predominantly in charge of the fashion side. So sort of vetting the brands that we do, the quality, quality control, pricing, and then the broadcast side of it. So I do all the content, um, the sort of organizing of the adverts and filming and all our social media sites. Um, and I've got someone on to help me with all that too. So that's really good. So the two of us sort of blitz it together. I mean, given your background, been a mid in Chelsea and like how you had that following, is it difficult growing an actual like marketplace platform now that requires like sophisticated technology requires like sophisticated I guess like growth mechanisms and just like I guess raising money like doing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for certain brands you going into those conversations what are there any challenges that come out of that I think people might assume that you risk not being taken seriously I'd like to think otherwise I think it's actually how you spin it because you can spin it however which way you want really as in as in why you went on a reality show and I'd also think it's how you hold yourself um and how you come across and I think people quite quickly forget maybe the reality side I think with me as well because actually I wasn't on it that long compared to a lot of people and I also left main Chelsea on 20,000 followers or something and the rest I've built up since so I'm, I'm, I don't think everyone who follows me is is a direct follower from Main Chelsea. Um, but yeah, I yes, okay, you're not a, Main Chelsea doesn't equip you with the skill set of investment or pitching or <laughs> or any of the sort of uh, behind the scenes of a business. 
Um, but that's where my other two team members who aren't so uh, front of house, let's just say that they, they, they like to stay more behind the scenes. Um, that's their repertoire, but I'm learning a lot from them. And I hope one day to be in that seat as well. Um, but at the moment, yeah, I'm, I'm they're learning from me on the sort of fashion and broadcast and I'm learning from them for the, the numbers. I'm a, I'm a strong believer that like nothing can really equip you for this apart from actually doing it. Like yeah. I think, I think school and university business courses, like they do help for sure. Like I did a business course a few months ago and I'm still doing it. It's incredibly useful. It's taught mm -hmm. by some amazing people. However, the best they can do is give you the skill, give you the kind of resources and I guess like examples on how to execute certain things. But when it comes to actually learning things day to day and like they say running of a business, you can only really do that yourself and actually yeah. learning from the experience. So, I mean, me as a CEO for like now compared to when I first started, huge difference, like massive difference. I think from now up until like in 12 months time, it'll be massively different as well. I think for you, it'd be the same sort of journey because still relatively new. In the yeah, space, how long right? has, um, I'm going to say wrong, wing. Yeah, wing. Been going for like 10, 10, 11 months. So it's okay, still like nice. fairly new. I guess like taking yourself out of the business, it's just like you as an individual, you become a better leader. You become a better like communicator and stuff like mm -hmm. that so for sure like you can only do it from actually you can actually learn you can you can only learn from doing it is what I'm trying to say oh totally yeah and you sort of have to throw yourself in the deep end and I think a lot of people you a lot of it is winging it and you're trying and testing different things and you're learning as you go and you have to make the alterations as and when they come about and I think actually that's something I noticed uh the difference between myself and Austin is and I think this might actually be a thing because I did do a bit of reading about it is female founders. And I'm using my, um, what are these called when I say female founders? Quotations. Quotations. So like female founders. If people can't are... speak. People are listening on Apple or Spotify. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You did the quotation marks. I did quotations with my fingers. Um, are qu quite often stereotyped and I'm, I fit into the stereotype as perfectionists and we're much more cautious and we don't want to put out an incomplete product. Whereas, um, often male founders, quotation marks again, um, are a lot more sort of bam, let's just go for it, let's kill it, let's push it. Um, and they'll put out a product that they know that there's things that need to be tidied up, but who cares, let's just get it out there, let's get it in the world and let's just try it and we'll we'll cross the bridge of the things that need tidying up as and when we go. And I think actually you need somewhere in the middle, but I would say that I had to be I, I was quite cautious and a bit nervous about coming out because I knew that there were little things that might not be as efficient as they could be. Um, but actually, you do just have to get the product out there. And every single big business that exists now will have started off so different. They would have had different branding, different uh, data, different uh, technology. And, you you know, everyone starts from somewhere and you actually just have to go and, and, and experience the journey rather than waiting for it to be perfect because it will never be perfect. I, I love that answer. That's an amazing answer. What's the future of the circle before we, before we wrap up the podcast? In a dream world, we would be a famous resale platform in the UK and hopefully Europe before then taking over the world. Um, but... And I suppose in our, uh, I've often been told this is a sort of jargon response, but it's actually something I really believe and really want to have the impact on. And that is converting more people to shop secondhand. That is the bottom line of why we're doing this. Um, 
because there are many more bigger money-making businesses that we could go into to make fast cash. But, and that's not why we're doing this. You know, this won't necessarily be a profit-making business straight away. And, but actually we want to have a big impact and it's important that people shop secondhand and we're trying to alleviate the challenges of shopping secondhand. Um, So yeah, that's a sort of, I'm I'm waffling. I need to come up with a full stop somewhere. I'm going to put the full stop in right now. (laughs) (laughs) Shop secondhand, exclamation mark. (laughs) Okay, fantastic. Eliza, it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. I loved having you on. Um, How can people stay in touch with you? And also I'm sure they want to stay in touch with the circle going forward. Yes, so follow us on Instagram. That is at the.circle, spelt C-I-R-K-E-L, before anyone uh, follows the reality show by accident. Um, And you can follow me, Eliza Batten, if you so please. Um, And I suppose if you really want to find out more, you can email me at eliza at thecircle.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Eliza, for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm sure we'll speak very soon. Thanks so much. Hopefully. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. Thank you so much for staying to the very end. It means so much to me. If you're new and you want to hear more episodes like the one you just listened to with Eliza, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave a five-star rating review while you're there and also share it with your friends. As a thank you, I'll give you a shout out in the next episode, at the beginning of the episode, if you leave a written review because, yeah, I want to share the love. Okay, thank you so much for listening again and I hope you have a lovely day.